know, I, I, I spoke about the story two weeks ago, but two, uh, in, in the, the Korean War and the Japanese and the Second World War, more American soldiers died in the Korean War prisoner of war camps than they did in Japanese prisoner of war camps. The Japanese were way crueler. They, were, they, were, they tortured people. They, it was incredible what the Japanese did. However, the Koreans treated their prisoners pretty well, gave them good food, looked after them, but they deprived them of love. They deprived them of anything positive. They taught them to dob on each other. They taught them, if you tell us what somebody's doing wrong, we'll give you extra food. So the mistrust developed. And so what happened is they, were, they never died from malnutrition as they did in the Japanese prison of war camps. They never died from malnutrition. And, and the word for malnutrition, there's another word called marasmus, M-A-R-A, marasmus, malnutrition. They died from broken hearts. Those American soldiers would literally sit in the ground, pull a blanket over their heads, and die. They died from broken hearts. And so the American soldiers in those camps termed that term, not Merasmus, but my Rasmus, which was a lack of resistance and total passivity. There are a lot of people in this nation now a lot of people in churches, in fact, a lot of churches have got my Rasmus. A lack of resistance and totally consumed with passivity. God has never called the church to be passive, ever. Too many people have given up. Too many people have just laid down and said, this, it's too difficult. And so the onslaught in this nation particularly is to remove all of that, to remove any positive affirmation, to remove anything good, trust, etc., breaking it down systematically. It's a demonic thing. It's witchcraft. However it comes, through politicians, through people, through lies, through deception, however it comes. And that's why the church is never never can have my Rasmus. A total lack of resistance, understanding the weapons we have, like praise, like worship, because if you, you cannot praise and worship if you're going to submit to passivity. Be a passive Christian. Have passive minds. Our minds, the Bible says we must gear up our minds. We must put our minds into gear. We must set our minds on things above. It's so important. And so the church, ultimately in this day and the time where, where there's so much bad news around, we have, a, we have a pandemic of hopelessness. There's no doubt. And only the church can flatten the curve totally. Because the gospel's good news. 
Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I am not ashamed. Say, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, we've got good news. We've got good news. We've got good news that Jesus loves you. We've got good news that Jesus saves. We've got good news. Amen. Come on. I'm just ringing a little bit here. We've got good news. Amen. Good news. Good news. Good news. Good news. It's the good news of Christ that Jesus saves. Amen. The bad news is that if you don't surrender to the good news, it's bad news for you in the end, ultimately. But we have a choice to make that we're going to preach the good news. We're going to live the good news. We're going to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. The good news, the Bible says, is the power. The word power in the Greek is dunamis. So it's the power of God unto salvation. Amen. The word salvation in the Greek is soteria, which means safety, healing, deliverance, soundness, forgiveness. That's what salvation means, provision. So the gospel is the power of God, the dynamite of God in our lives to release soundness, goodness, uh, 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 forgiveness, provision. All of those things is found in salvation. So the church carries the good news. Amen. And if you've got good news, you're not going to keep quiet about it. Amen. Unless we become passive. But we've not been called to passivity. What's happened to the screens? All right. We've not been called to passivity. We've been called to the purpose and the plan of God. Hallelujah. We've been called to preach the good news. Amen. If God be for me, then who can be against me? I'll tell you, it's about time that we actually lived out those scriptures. If God be for me, then who can be against me? Amen. If God be for me, then who can be against me? Tell that to the person next to you. If God is for you, then who can be against you? Come on. That's the reality. If God be for us, who can be against us? Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Hallelujah. Come on. And so let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 1, uh, verse, verse 6. Right? Let's see how far we get this morning. And uh, uh, it says, The Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Say, you have dwelt long enough. Amen. You've dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain. And in the mountains, in the lowlands, and uh, in the south and in the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I've set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which, which the Lord your God swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. Listen, here's the point, is that God always promises us things that He's promised previous generations. So when God makes a declaration, no matter what you think about it, this is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. I believe that we as God's people can stand upon that. Amen. We know that God has called this nation for a time such as this. We know that God's hand is upon Australia. That's why we do not lightly give it up and we do not back off from what God has said. God always reminds His people. He says, this is what I have said. And according to what I've said, I'm going to answer you. Amen. And he says in verse 6, The Lord your God 
spoke to you in Horeb saying you've dwelt long enough at this mountain. You know, the same mountain, you know, a lot of times we, uh, a Christian can go around the same mountain forever. You know, they're still splashing around in, in, in like uh, ankle deep water. Well, you bless me, I bless you. You bless me, I bless you. Oh, the pastor didn't phone me. The pastor didn't see me. Or oh, this guy didn't do, oh, the, uh, you, you bless me, I bless you. That's ankle deep water. Somebody sat in my chair. Amen? That's ankle-deep water. Oh, I was sick and no one phoned me. No, the Bible says that if you're sick, you must call for the leaders of the church. Call, a phone, a text. I'm sick, come pray for me. Amen? Now, now that's about maturity. Amen? Come on. Come on, let's just stir the pot a little bit here. Because I believe that God's calling His church to maturity. It's a mature church that's going to take the purpose and the plan of God. Not a church that is addicted to affirmation all the time. Whilst we need affirmation, we know God loves us. When you have a revelation of the love of God, uh, there's something in you that says, I'm going to take this love to other people. That's the difference. Amen. We are not addicted to let me feel good uh, 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 a sermon. And, and we, we don't even address the issues of the day. People need real answers for real things in these days. Amen. People People need to know that God is with them. God is with you. God is for you. God is calling you to stand. God is calling you to rise up. Amen. And that takes getting out of the, the, the ankle deep water and going knee deep, waist deep, eventually until you have no control and you've said, God, it's too late. I'm going for you no matter what. Whether I sink or swim, it doesn't matter anymore, God. I'm going for you. Come on. And God says you've dwelt long enough at the mountain. It's like a circle. You know, I, I love doing weddings. I'm going to be doing one soon to some of our uh, couples just being married. And, you know, we always hold up the ring and say, oh, the marriage is like a ring. It's like a circle. Has no beginning, no end. You know, that's a marriage. It's not our walk with God that we go around the same mountain. You know, ring Christianity, the same mountain, the same issue, still offended with his brother, and then when, I'm, when I get over that, then I'm offended with the next brother. Amen. The same issues. Now, that's not here. Thank goodness. But I want to tell you, it's out there. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, a lot of people have a lot of opportunity to get uh, um, offended at me. I don't know why. But, you know, I do know this, that I'm called for a time such as this. Seven years ago, yesterday, seven years ago to the day, seven years ago, my family and I landed in Australia. They'd never set foot in Australia before. They got in the plane. They'd never been here before, but we knew this is where God wanted us. Amen. So I'm exactly what you need. Amen. I'm exactly what the city needs. I'm exactly, amen. That's the reality. Come on. For a time such as this. And you are exactly, yeah, and you're exactly what the city needs and what the state needs. You are exactly those people that God has called for a time such as this. As we push in and we say, God, we're going to operate in a level that is different to what we have before. It's not an immaturity level, but God, it's a level where I take responsibility for the call of God upon my life, and together we will fulfill this. And He says, you've dwelt long enough at this mountain. So we, we are following the commander of the Lord's army. That's what we are doing. It's a Joshua and a Caleb generation that says uh, 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 we're not back 
second down. Amen. We be well able. That Joshua and Caleb generation that says, Every place of Saul my foot will tread, you have given unto me. It's that generation that God is raising up. It's an Isaiah generation where Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. And when he saw God, God said, Who will go for me? He said, Lord, here I am. Send me. Listen, when you meet God, something is going to change. You're not just going to fall down and feel good and get up and nothing's changed. If you've met God, something is going to change. Amen. When God touches your life, you're going to get up and you're going to say, God, what must I do? Like Paul the Apostle said, God, what must I do when God knocked him off his high horse? Amen. And I'm not saying that you cannot be touched by God and have a, a great time and, and, and shake, rattle, and roll. That's okay. But we cannot shake, rattle, and roll every week and nothing changes. Amen. I better not go there. It's a Jeremiah generation. That's got the Word of God in their mouth. God said, Jeremiah, I put my Word in your mouth to root out, to pull down, destroy, throw down, to build and plant. Listen, when the Word of God is in your mouth, it's twice as much pulling down and rooting out as to building and planting. He says, I put my Word in, my, in your mouth to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, then build and plant. Amen. So sometimes the Word that comes out of your mouth, the prayers that come out of your mouth, begins to manifest demonic activity and it's okay. Okay, because God is rooting the enemy out through what you are praying, through what you are saying, through what you are speaking, through what you are declaring. God is rooting the enemy out so we can build and plant. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? You can find that in Jeremiah chapter 1. It's an Esther generation who says, Lord, we called for a time such as this. Because God, because Mordecai, the, the uncle of Esther, says to Esther, if you don't stand up now, God will raise up someone else. And I say to God, and I say to us as a church, we will not leave this to anyone else. We cannot. We cannot. Because otherwise God says, okay, I'll find someone else. And maybe you're in that position where you've just been neutral. And passive. God is calling you for a time such as this. And if we don't step up, we cannot play games with God's call. Yeah, you still go to heaven. But this is not about whether I'm going to heaven or hell. I don't even think about that anymore. I'm thinking about there are other people going to hell. We need to save them. There are people that have been devastated by, by, by political issues in this nation. We've got to pray that down. Amen. I no longer think about whether I'm going to heaven or hell. I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with Jesus. Amen. So as a result, we step up to our call. Amen. Come on. It's a Habakkuk generation who writes the vision down, makes it plain. It's a Joel generation who will shout multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision and roar, it's enough. Amen. It's a Malachi generation whose sons uh, 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 are joining their, their, their hearts to their fathers and the fathers to the sons. It's that generation that brings restoration to family. It's that generation. And it's this generation that God is calling to bring restoration to families. I'll tell you, last night was incredible. People that were being prayed for, not just physical healing, but emotional healing. Some people were traumatized by demons.
One person that was counseled said, I've been a Christian my whole life and I got involved with someone sexually and the first time we had sex, something came upon me and I've been tormented ever since. I cannot even speak properly. It's the generation now that has to free those people because there are brothers and sisters out there who've been caught in sin, who've been, who've been, who've been led into traps by the enemy. We, we, we are not there to leave them. We are there to bring them out and to help them, to restore them. Amen. I, listen, let me help you now. You know, uh, this is very, very important, a very important thing for me. My family knows. I'm very resolute about this. You know, there are people that have, that have been, I don't care what they've said about me or the church. It does not matter to me. Because if I cannot extend a hand of forgiveness and grace and restore those people, then why am I even preaching this gospel? I'm not a professional pastor. I'm a man of God. We're children of God. We are yet to restore people. People have spoken about you. People have hurt you. It doesn't matter any longer. We've got to extend the hand of redemption to people and restore them and help them and stand with them until they find their purpose. That's the generation that God has called. That's why we can no longer go around the same mountain all the time. We're not going to change this generation if that's how we are. There are multitudes of backslidden Christians. Multitudes. And I want to tell you, as tough as I am, I do know one thing. Because God has given me that heart of love and forgiveness. If I don't do that, it's the end of my intimacy with God. Like that, it's gone. If I don't extend grace and forgiveness to people, it's the end of my intimacy with God. And the worst thing I can think of is not hearing God. The Bible says that Saul, King Saul, didn't even know the Holy Spirit had left him. Because that's what religion does. Amen. It's a David generation who holds the keys. The keys of David to open up doors and shut doors. Amen. That will serve their generation by the will of God before we die. That's what the Bible says in the book of Acts, that David served his generation by the will of God, then he died. Now, surprise, surprise. We're all going to die. And you're not going to die from anything that people want to put on you all the time. Consistently, 24-7. You will not. I pray for this church all the time. Whether you've been for it or you haven't, I pray for you all the time. Amen. To make sure that you are protected by the power of God, by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what this is about. So it's this David generation that says, I'm going to serve the will of God in my generation and then I'll die. So our goal is to serve our generation and then we die. We are going to die one day. 
Amen. Now, I'm hoping to make it back to South Africa uh, for my 100th birthday. If we can be let out. Amen. In 40 years. But you know, one thing I do know, as hard as it is to accept, that one day I will stand before God. So while I'm alive and while I breathe, I'm yet to serve my generation by the will of God. Amen. And if we just take that, we serve our generation, whatever you're doing, whether you're in business, whether you're working in a school, whether you're at university, whatever you're doing, you say, God, I'm here. I'm going to do my best at what I'm doing, but I'm going to serve my generation by the will of God. Amen. So that one day when I die, I stand before God and God doesn't say to me, oh, I see you went around the same mountain over and over again. No, He will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. That's what we are looking for. That affirmation from God one day, God, I'm going to stand in your presence and He's going to say, well done, my good and my faithful servant. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Come on. And so, so so, you know, just, just um, I, I want to, I've got so much to, to, to um, preach about, but I, I cannot do all of it this morning. A couple of things. God says to them in this, He says, turn and take your journey. He says, you've been around this mountain long enough. Number one, turn and take. So I believe right now God is saying to people, turn and take. Turn from that place that you were going that, had no purpose. Your purpose isn't just to work yourself to death. Your purpose is, if you believe that, then to work it for the will of God and the purpose of God. To say, God, I'm here for a reason. Amen. And I'm going to fulfill the purpose and the plan of God. In my business, in my life, in my family. Whether you're a housewife, whatever you do. To say, God, I'm going to do. And sometimes we just need to say, okay, maybe I've just gotten down this path that is, a, that is a circle that goes around the same mountain all the time. So I'm going to turn and I'm going to take the right decision, make the right decision and take my journey the right way. Amen. Turn, turn, turn. It's a simple thing of repentance. Repentance simply means I changed my mind. That's all. That's simply what it means. I'm changing my mind about going around the same mountain. And I'm saying, God, I want to fulfill your purpose in my life life in this generation right now. Lord, I submit to you and I surrender to you. God, will you lead me? Will you guide me by your Spirit? When you pray those simple prayers, I'll tell you what God answers. I love when Saul, that, that, is, that is breathing threats and persecuting the church, and he's on his horse, and, and God and the Lord Jesus knocks him off his horse, and, uh, and he sees the great light. You know, a lot of people need to be knocked off their high horse, okay? And uh, when we start praying for people, I'm telling you, there's a lot of politicians that are going to be knocked off their high horse when we start praying. I'm telling you now. Amen. So, so, so the first thing that Saul says in the book of Acts, when, 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 he, when, he, when God knocks him off his horse, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? I tell you, that should be the prayer of every Christian. God, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Amen. Come on. Because he says, Lord, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Listen, that's what you've got to understand, is that when you come against the people of God, you're coming against God Himself. But he says, Lord, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus. Then he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
That's part of turning our lives and saying, God, I'm here to serve you. Lord, what do you want me to do for you? Amen. Secondly, God says to them, He says, See, I've set the land before you. See, I've set the land before you. You know, we have to see the land. I know we live in a time where everything is pretty introvert, where, where we get locked up in our own selves. But I believe God's calling us to see the land, see the good land, see why God has got you here. You're here for a reason. See your future, see your destiny, see your purpose. Because if you don't see it, you can't move towards it. And sometimes you just have to say, Lord, let me lift up my eyes. Take my eyes off myself and lift up my eyes and look at you. Amen. You need to see what you can do. Amen. You need to see. I'm going to just cut a lot of stuff out right now. Number three, you've got to go in. Because he says, see, I've set the land before you. Go in. You've got to take action. So if you know God wants you to pray, then take action. Pray. If you know God wants you to be a, a vessel of finances for the work of God, then give. You know, it's like Jesus nights. You know, you can give towards that store because that costs a lot of money. On a whim. The government doesn't pay for us. Hmm? I know a lot of people say, and you hear these accusations come all the time, well, the church should pay taxes. Well, well, if the church was treated like a business, then we would get more money back from the government. I just say to people, stop talking nonsense. Amen. But yes, the amazing thing is that we can go and we can take action. We can start being generous to the work of God. We can start being generous to what God has got for us. Amen. Because generous people will see revival. When a people are not generous, we will never see revival, no matter how much we call for it. That's why our pockets have to be loosed before God for revival to come. It's the truth. We pray for revival, but if you don't pray for revival in your pocket, nothing's going to happen. Amen. We wonder why things are happening in this nation. Well, I want to tell you, we need to release a spirit of generosity upon God's people. When we say, God, I'm going to go in. I'm going to take the land. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Father, I'm going to be way more generous than I've ever been. Generous to the work of God. Because you cannot put a price on souls that were saved last night, on the significant things that happened last night. There's no price in eternity, but at least we can say, God, I'm sowing towards it. I'm sowing to eternal things. I'll tell you what, when you give to God, He blesses you abundantly. I'm telling you right now. When you give, like we've always been a blessing as a church. We've always been a blessing. I'll tell you what, we are a generous church. That's the truth. You know, the truth is, if I have any person come and preach here, we bless them, we are generous. Because there are a lot of stingy churches out there. Amen. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. We are a generous church. But I'm asking you to go in and say, Lord, I'm taking the next step. I know when you talk about money, because that's one of the giants that has to be slain. It's one of the things that have to come down in the church all over. Amen. Hallelujah. I could have had a lot more amens there. <laughs> Amen, Freddie. 
Amen. <laughs> oh no, sorry, you can't. You can't talk. All I hear is muffled things. Muffled, muffled. Amen. Muffled. You're all muffled. Amen, Pastor. Amen, Pastor. Hello. <laughs> is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Amen. Fourthly, lastly, possess the land. Because he's going and possess the land. This is about a possession mentality. This is not a, a thing if you feel like. We have to have a possession mentality. The problem is, when I talk to people and leaders, a lot of them have a very fatalistic thing. Well, you know, the world is just going to get worse and worse. No, 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 no. The more the light shines, the more the darkness shows up. Well, the world's just going to get worse and worse. Nothing we can do about it. There's no point. The Bible says, no, no, no. The Bible does. It's not the only thing the Bible says. Amen. The Bible says that this gospel must be preached in all the world. The Bible says that you must do business until he comes. Amen. There are scriptures upon scriptures upon scriptures upon scriptures that we often overlook because we have to have a possession mentality. It's time for some of you to start businesses. Be bold in starting businesses. Amen. Be bold in starting businesses. God will give you ideas like He did in, in, in the Old Testament. Says he, gave, he gave them witty inventions. God can give you ideas for business. Amen. To be a blessing to those, to employ those people that others don't want to employ. Amen. God can give you ideas and, and, and inventions and understandings that can prosper you you that can prosper other people, that can prosper the work of God. So we have to have a possession mentality. We cannot just say, well, it's just going to happen. Let me just wait until I die and uh, let's, let's hopefully I meet Jesus. No, we have to have a possession mentality, go into all the world and make disciples. That's the command of God. It's never a command. Well, see what you can do. No, God said to us, go into all the world and make disciples. He did not say make disciples if you can uh, and, and only only if the political climate is conducive, then make disciples. Only if the political climate is conducive, then can you preach. No, Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. Go and make disciples. It's a possession mentality. He said, he says, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Now pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Jesus always had and always has and always will have a possession mentality. Go in and possess. So I'm encouraging and challenging you this morning to have a possession mentality. I don't care what is happening out there, but when you pray, you're going to have a possession mentality to say, we are not going to back down. We are going to take this nation. We're going to pray for revival. We're going to do what we need to do. We're going to proclaim the Word of God. We're going to be bold. We're going to be strong. We're going to do what God has called us to do. Amen. A possession mentality. A possession mentality. Possess your life, possess business, souls, breakthrough. Possess your future. Possess vision. Possess the last. You've got to possess this. We've got to be a people that are willing to make a stand. You know, um, when, when my son David, who's down in our church uh, south of the river, and they're really doing great there. Uh, when David was in his last year of school, in South Africa. Now, he was in a very prestigious school, the number one school in South Africa. Um, now, I know if you've been in school in South Africa, you don't like to hear this, but he was in Gray College. So it was, uh, 
but, but he was in a very prestigious school, very top, top school. Uh, some of the greatest sports people have come out of there, amazing, uh, amazing, strong people have come out of there. And in his English class, they were reading this book, and they would read it sometimes in class. And these are all boys. There's like 40 boys, the boys' school. And in that, there was swearing and there was blasphemy. My son, who just turned 18, stand up and says, Sir, I can't read this. This is wrong. There's blasphemy in here. I cannot do this. The guy just said, well, sit down. If you don't like it, just sit down. But day after day, three, four times, he said, I can't do this. The teacher said to him, if you don't like it, you can get out. You know what he did? He got up and he said to his class, who's with me? And a whole lot of them got up, walked out. Bam. They went straight down to the principal's office and he said, so I cannot do this based on my conviction, based on what I believe. The principal said, it's okay, you don't have to do that. And that was part of their marks for their finals, etc. So, you know, I, why do I share the story with you? Because I've always taught my children to have conviction. That no matter how unpopular it is, you stand up for what is right. And you don't bow to the enemy. I share that because I realize in this day and hour that a lot of people are just bowing. And I'm not talking about all the stuff that's going on. I'm talking about this, this unsaid pressure, this unsaid you can't talk about things that are righteous. When people blaspheme, we say nothing. When, when we, we watch movies that are full of blasphemy, we say nothing. We, we do things, eventually we say nothing because we realize that, that, that if I stand up and say, no, I'm not going to watch this movie and uh, then what am I going to explain to my friends who are in the church with me? You see, if we don't develop a conviction in little things, we will never have a conviction in great things. If we don't develop a possession mentality in little things, we will never be able to possess the big things in life. Amen. If we don't develop that, that, that fire on the inside of us for little things that matter, that when the big things come, that, that, that it actually floors us. Amen. So it's the little things that God is calling us to possess right now. Uh, and, and I share this because I know, I know that God is real line in his church. I know that he's calling his people to stand up. He's calling young people. I don't care. You say, well, I'm just at school. No, if you're at school, God's calling you to be a light and to be, be somebody who stands up. Well, I'm just at uni. No, stand up for Jesus. Amen. You don't have to accept stuff. Yeah, well, well, well they just have this in, in a, right? Or they just do this in my workplace and I have no choice. Yes, you have a choice. Yes, you do. No, we all have to wear our inclusivity flags and badges. No, you don't. Well, I may lose my job. Well, stand up. Because the more they take from you, the more they're going to demand from you. Amen. 
This is a possession mentality. So you've got to start praying for your workplace. Start praying for your company. Amen. Start praying that God moves in an incredible way. Start praying that you become a person that God can use to bring healing and blessing to people around you. Amen. Come on, you can do it. Uh, you say, well, pastor, we're not allowed to preach. Uh, you don't have to preach. You just got to be the Christian that God has called you to be. Amen. Come on. When somebody asks you, what did you do this week? And tell them you went to church. Really? How often do you go to church? Once a month or on special occasions? No, every week, twice on a Sunday. What? We have to get a possession mentality. Listen. Because I, I, I believe that for too long we've just surrendered things. And I talk about these things as little things. But we've surrendered things all the time. And suddenly when it becomes a big thing, it's too difficult to fight. And I believe God's asking us as His people and as His church to start taking back the little things. Because when you take back a little step, another step, another step, another step, eventually you've gained a lot of ground. Amen. You know, I talk about this, and um, whatever your persuasion is, that's not my issue. But I remember once, the one job I had, I went, and I went to the interview, and I sat with the manager and the general manager. And they said to me, you've got the job. And that was dealing with architects and builders and things like that. And I, and I said to them, look, thank you very much. I said, I just want to let, make it very clear. I said, I'm a Christian, and I do not drink at all. Now, you can do whatever you like, but I'm telling you what I said. So I said, I know you want me to see people in all these, and fly high with all these architects and CEOs, etc. I said, but I don't drink, so please do not expect me to drink. And they looked at me with big eyes and they looked at each other and they said, it's okay, you've got the job. They called me the OJ kid after that, the orange juice kid. You know, but by the time I left that company, almost every single one had given their lives to Jesus. Almost every single one. Amen. Because I wouldn't back down on who Jesus is and what I believe. Now, I'm not going to fight about little issues because I don't even get into those fights. I tell you what I believe and tell you what my stance is to encourage you in the little things in your life to take ground, to take a step, to get more ground back. The enemy has taken too much from us. The enemy has taken too much in this nation. He's taken too much from churches. He's taken too much from Christians. He's taken too much from our families. We need to start taking back. It's a possession mentality. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, God. We love you, Jesus.
I know God is rectifying things in the spirit realm. I know some things may be very challenging to people. But I really know that God is calling us to take back ground. There are little things we violated in our minds and our hearts. We violated our conscience by doing things. And God is asking to take back ground. He wants to cleanse your conscience again from acts that lead to death, from dead works. He wants to give you fresh start, a fresh ability to take back ground. I share my convictions so you can understand. I don't impose my convictions on you, but I share them, knowing that there are many people that God is calling to take back ground. To take back things that they've just let fall. Maybe the family altar that you used to pray together. Maybe just spending time with God in the morning, reading the Word of God. Those little things that we just let fall along the way. It's not worth it. Because eventually it becomes big things and then big temptation is too difficult to resist. Starts with the little things. A possession mentality. Lord, let your presence come upon your people right now. Let your presence come. Let your presence come, O God. Lord, we honor you. We worship you. We worship you, Jesus. O God, we worship you. Father, we come even as your people, as a church. Lord, we're asking you for a city. We're asking you for a state. We're asking you for a nation. Father, where we've given ground to the enemy, will you forgive us? We've surrendered things in our lives to the enemy for expediency, for comfort. Lord, forgive us. God, even today I pray that you give us a resoluteness in the Spirit to take back, to go into the enemy's camp and take back what is stolen from us. To go into the enemy's camp and take back what he's stolen from us. Oh, I tell you, it's time to go back to the enemy's camp and take back what he's stolen from you. Just like Abraham went and took, and took his servants and he went and took back what was taken. It's time to take back our families. It's time to take back our, our children. It's time to take back education. It's time to take back. It's time to take back. It's time to take back. We cannot surrender anymore to the enemy. We will not surrender anymore. Oh, I tell you what, it's time to take back. We're not going to back off. We're going to win this. We are winning this. We are winning this battle. We are winning this war. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Oh, we praise you. We glorify you, Jesus. We lift up your name, oh God. We lift up your name. We worship you. Come on right now. A possession mentality in people's minds, in people's hearts, in people's lives. A possession mentality. Hallelujah. 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 Oh,